Hey guys, quick side note. Today we're going to talk about being black in America and dealing with the N-word. And we probably will use the N-word a lot in our conversation. So that's just a quick heads up. And don't forget, if you ever want to join our conversation, you can always tweet us. At Dinner and Polite is the handle. And on that note, here's a message from little Nathaniel. Life as a slave was very difficult, especially for a child. At the age of seven, Frederick was sent to live at the White House plantation. He rarely saw his mother and she died when he was 10 years old. After Douglas learned to read, he read newspapers and other articles about slavery. He began to form views on human rights and how people should be treated. He also taught other slaves how to read, but this eventually got him in trouble. He was moved to another family where he was beaten by the slave owner to break his spirit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the introduction to the history of Frederick Douglass. Little thing. Black History Month, yeah. Black History Month, and we're reading about Frederick Douglass. And, um, you know, one thing about black history is that it's um, definitely it's a story of resilience. And the more you read about our history in this country, I mean, it is a story of immense resilience. It is. But also the more you read, man, it's f***ed up. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... God Almighty. <laughs> yes, it is bad. And you want to talk about resilience. Nathaniel fighting off that Frederick Douglass wig might have been one of the most amazing <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. History. Oh, oh my boy. goodness. So yeah, for those of you who don't understand, he shall he's on overcome. This project on black <laughs> history. And our person is Frederick Douglass. So we've been doing a lot of research on it. And then they're doing this wax museum. So he has to dress up as Frederick Douglass. And everyone who knows who Fred if you don't know who Frederick Douglass is, please take a moment to read about him. Amazing, amazing American hero. You gotta put the photo on the website though. Uh, oh God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> So I tried, he has to do a wax museum character, and so he has to dress up as Frederick Douglass. And everyone yes. knows Frederick Douglass has, like, I mean, the hair. The hair. It, it was, like, signature hair. It's the first thing that stands out. Just uh, if you it's think of Mr. Glass and, and Glass, Samuel <laughs> exactly. Jackson. <laughs> Cross between Glass and maybe James Brown. Yeah, and, um, Coke, coked out James so Brown. I, <laughs> so I went and got a wig. 
I went and got this long curly wig and then I tried to work my magic on it and like make this like, you know, Frederick Douglass hair. And my six-year-old was not here for it. He wasn't here for it. No. Um, the, the face that he makes in that picture <laughs> <laughs> was like, Mom, why are you doing this to me? It's Black History Month. And right. I was just thinking, Yanni was like, because of the struggle. <laughs> you got to know the struggle. It's, it's for the culture. It's for the culture, for the culture. buddy. It's for the culture. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Back Black to the subject history. at hand. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Black history. Yeah. So it is, um, it's a history of struggle, but it's a history of resilience. And it's, uh, it's a amazing history, but it's also an ugly history of our country. And my son is six and like, this is our second year in public school of doing black history month. And last year, I remember, um, around Martin Luther King day and leading up into black history month, they were talking a lot about, you know, Martin Luther King and what he, what he stood for and what he fought for. And as, my son was like asking me questions and kind of diving in a little bit deeper. Like he was kind of horrified by just the, and me, this is me trying to give him like the kindergarten version of the civil rights movement. I mean, he, at one point he was in the back of the car crying as I was like trying to explain to him, like what Martin Luther King was fighting for and what he was living. I mean, he Uh was crying. That's right. And it is traumatic for him. It's traumatic for me. And now we're diving into Frederick Douglass and, we're talking about his childhood and we're talking about, you know, him, a brilliant man teaching himself to read after just be, being given just the, you know, basic tools, being taught the alphabet and then like looking over people's shoulders, like, the, you know, the white children and teaching himself to read and then being beat in order to like, you know, kind of break his spirit. And so we're reading this in a book that's written for children, but my son is horrified. And it's like, how do you introduced history to this young people and i i believe 100 that it needs to be honest yeah. it needs to be we need to be forthcoming about it it's the only mm-hmm. way our country is going to move forward and we are stymied because we've refused to do that yes but um how do you do it from the very beginning yeah i, I think look history cannot be sugar-coated right history cannot be you cannot only teach the the mcdonald's Martin Luther King Day. Right. Here's Let's a, go clean up a park. Here's a free apple Martin pie in honor of Martin right. Luther King. McDonald's right. loves some Martin. White people, they love Martin Luther King. They love their narrative of what Martin Luther King and they teach it. Right. One thing that is not taught in public schools, and trust me, I know, is, mm-hmm. is self-love as a minority. You learn mm-hmm. about everybody else. You learn about, predominantly white mainly, but you, you, you learn about other people and their accomplishments. You learn about women now, which is great. But black history teaches I, 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 mainly one person or two. Martin Luther King, who was great, and Harriet Tubman, who was one of my right. favorite people in history. But right. those are the main two they teach. They won't teach Malcolm X. You know, these kids don't know anything mm-hmm. about him. They don't teach about Marcus Garvey. They don't teach mm-hmm. about Benjamin Banneker. They don't teach about so many different black people. And they don't teach. And, they, uh, and it's not because the teachers are bad. I'm not getting on teachers. But they also don't teach how to love yourself as a black person. A lot of times in black, look, we're 12% of the population. So if you don't live in a black area, you mm-hmm. are in a situation where you a lot of times are one of two black people in the classroom. And right. I've watched black children who are second, third graders already face racism from yeah. Spanish people who say you're the color of poop or whatever. And like right. from white people who, you know, say different things and, I've had black kids 
come up and say, like, I don't like being the only one in here. Mm-hmm. So I think teaching your kid, even if it makes them cry, that's why I was saying, yeah, yeah, get him. <laughs> he got he got stuff, he got a feel it. Remember when mom made us watch uh-huh. Eyes on a Prize when we were young? Right. So it was heavy, yeah. man. I was traumatized, right. but it didn't make me hate white people or nothing, but it made me very aware of my surroundings. You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. it was um it's one of those things that I think, yeah, especially him as a young black male. Look, they will shoot a black male at the age of 12. Let's not yeah. forget that and say, right. I thought he was an adult. Okay? Right. They won't shoot a 40-year-old white man with a knife or a gun. They'll talk him yeah. down first before they shoot him. Right. At the age exactly. of twelve, with a with a with a cap gun, they'll shoot you. So right. yeah, it makes you cry, but police make you die. So you got to <laughs> teach them at a very young age. Right, right. <laughs> no, you do, and you know, it's not something I just want my son to know either. Like I, I would like for this be to be more mainstream, and I think our school actually does a really good job about, um, you know, celebrating Black History. And actually, one of his classmates um, is uh, Malcolm X for their little um, nice. project for next week. And I'm curious, a little Indian kid who's Nathaniel's best friend, love this little kid. So I'm curious to see like what they come up with for their like, you know, Malcolm X presentation. Yeah. I'm going to have to go to school and see this. Oh, I got but, to see that. Uh, yeah. It's going to be like but, the end um, of Malcolm X. I am Malcolm X. I am Malcolm X. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, it should be more mainstream because I, I don't feel like we as a society can move forward until we have acknowledged the past and like understood like why why we are where we are. And so many people are so misinformed right now. I mean, the fact that we still celebrate the Confederacy and we still celebrate like Confederate soldiers and stuff and the narrative about the Confederacy yeah. has been so whitewashed. It's not even real. I'm like, do you understand in the articles of um, secession like in the first or second sentence, they're basically like, we want to maintain slavery. We want to maintain the good life that comes from having slaves. I mean, that's essentially what they say. It is all about slavery. So how are we still celebrating these people? Like slavery, our, our time here in, in the United States was, has been a time of struggle. I mean, it has been a time of violence. It's been a time of like dehumanizing um, treatment. And like I said, we've overcome right. quite a bit. I mean, we're still struggling, but we've overcome quite a bit of that. But yeah. and let's be honest about it. I mean, because you have people walking around who are almost, they're like these uh, climate change deniers. Like, they just deny, like, oh, yeah. what happened in history. I feel like it's the majority. I, won't, I don't want to say majority, but I would say about half. About half mm-hmm. of the white population who will still sit there and argue with me. I mean, I, I'm in Virginia, so it's borderline south here. I'm in Northern right. Virginia. and But I, I was just at the bar the other day arguing with a guy about Robert E. Lee. And him mm-hmm. still saying, well, right. no, he, but, you know, he fought for Virginia, not because he, you know, was uh, a glorified slave owner. He inherited his slaves. I said, I don't care what he inherited. Right. You know what I mean? I <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, you inherit something. How is that justification to he inherited his slaves so he's not as bad? What? Well, in a narrative from a slave said that he was one of the worst slave owners out there. So, right. I mean, exactly. I'm just like, I wish everybody who's like Robert E. Lee was a great man could be a slave for a day. Right, exactly. If you could be a slave for a day right, and see exactly how it was being a slave and yes. then still call this person great because he was a great general, right? you're a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. No, it's, it's unbelievable. And so I just... I don't know. It's just hard to figure out like how you introduce the topic to young kids because it's a it's history is painful at times. Like yeah. I said, it's not something that we should shy away from. But um, 
and you know, I don't want at some point for like my children to be kind of, you know, slapped in the face with like racism and then wonder like, wait, where did this come from? And I think that happens to a lot of black children. It's like they're going through life with like these rose colored glasses because, you know, their families may have made it, you know, to a better place financially. They're living in a good community. But like you said, one day they look up and realize like, oh, wait, I'm not actually perceived as being equal. So it's like, I want to make sure I set the stage for him. And then I also want his friends and his his peers to understand as well yeah. like this is where we are and this is why um and let's work to move move forward well and you know it's one of those things too um it, to me it shouldn't be even just a a black uh kid a black parent has to teach their kid about black history i think all parents should black history is american yes. history it's american history so yes you know like we got here in 1619 like everybody else it's been right. 400 years since we've been here i've heard some cornball brothers like come out and say like oh well you know we need to do away with black history not yet not, not until no. not not until it's integrated into right. every month once it's equal right. Then you can right. take away Black History and Spanish History and Asian History Month, like. Right. But until then, you you need the months so people can understand, like, hey, yes, it has to stand out. Make sure you learn about this because you're missing out on a big part of history, and then you're repeating history. You repeat history. Like exactly. a cycle of racism. Wow, mm -hmm. gotta break it down to people like this. Get my food. <laughs> realize that um you how oh, i'm gonna say you aren't you're not different when did you when did you first realize that being black was going to have carry with it some burdens here in this country the spring of 1989 oh wow okay. it was a warm <laughs> it was a warm spring day <laughs> um yeah well that's when we moved to virginia uh, mm, at the end okay. of third grade, which was really right. tough because, you know, mm -hmm. you're in the middle of the school year and, you know, near the end of the school year, you move to a whole new town yeah. that is uh, mixed, predominantly right. white. And I, in third grade, I became that kid who was in a white classroom, a couple of Spanish people, a couple of Asian people and me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, mm -hmm. this kid, one kid's name was George. And I don't know the name of the other kid, but it was a little Vietnamese kid. It wasn't, it wasn't white people. It was, it was a Spanish kid and an Asian kid. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we got into some discrepancy. I remember I wasn't mad about anything, but like we were just going back and forth. And the kid, George, called me a nigga. Wow. And then okay. the Asian kid walked up. And he started, I'm not lying, y'all. I'm not trying to be an asshole. He started <laughs> doing these little kung fu kicks <laughs> to, my, to my ankle and was like, but every time he kicked me, he would say, black nigga, black nigga, black nigga. Ah! <laughs> oh, God. Now, oh, as I said before, mom, <laughs> mom raised us what? on Eyes on the Prize when we were real young. So I knew what oh, they were calling God. me. Right. And it was the first time my inner blackness came out and was like, mess them up. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I... Punched the kid George in the face. He fell down. Uh -huh. The Asian kid, I grabbed him, threw him over George, and then I got called to the office. That was the first one. Uh-huh. And then um, that same, yeah, I'm telling you, it was a really fast integration. Mind you, like, we're coming from an all-black area. 
Yeah. And, and and then the next is I'm sit, this girl would um sit next to me. I can't remember her name. I just remember she had black hair and black bangs. She was the ugliest third grader I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. That chick was ugly as shit. Um, and I can say that. She used to, for some reason, she had these real sharp nails, like little claws. Uh-huh. And she would dig her nails into my arm all what? the time. Like, like, yeah, well, like cause blood, like make it bleed and like peel the skin up. So one day she did it. After a couple weeks, she did it. I said, you do that again, I'm going to bite you. I wasn't going to hit a girl. Uh-huh. I did get end up getting into a fight with a girl at Watoto. That girl kicked my ass, though. But <laughs> <laughs> I told this girl. A couple of fighters over there. Yeah, that man, some girls. Yeah, man, this is old school Northwest D.C. Right. This isn't, you know. There, but, there were some fighters. <laughs> but back to the Virginia story. So the girl, she dug her nails. <laughs> she dug her nails into my skin. Uh-huh. And so I bit her. Uh-huh. And she, I left teeth marks. Uh-huh. Didn't break skin, but I left teeth marks. And so they took us to the principal's office. They called mom into the office. And I remember they talked to mom and I was there and they talked about me like I was an animal. Wow. They were like, you know, like, we don't know what kind of diseases he has. And, you what? know, like, he, you know, you can't put your mouth on people like that and bite them. And she was like, well, look at his arm. Like, she's yeah. obviously been digging her nails in his skin. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, but there's still no reason for him to do that. Like, it was the first time I was ever suspended. And mm-hmm. it was like that year, all I wanted to do was go back home to Philadelphia. I wanted to go back home to Grandma's yeah. house. I was just like, because yeah. I think we came here before you and Jaja did. I think yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, we came like a year later. Yeah. Right. So that that was tough because it was like, A, the household was just messed up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we were dealing with all types of stuff in the house. And then B, now you're not close to your family anymore. You're not close to right. your protector who was Grandma. And then yeah. these white people tripping. So I was just right. like... I was like, yeah. yo, man, like, oh, wow, this is different. Like, the thing is, man, there's so many things that goes on a lot of times in inner-centered communities and black households that you don't know about. And then on top of that, you're dealing with just being black with everybody else. Right. You, look, in the man, world. Just being look, black in the world. Yeah. Look, kids, uh, all these people who say, like, the, the, the uh, founder of Starbucks who, I don't see color. Nigga, I live color. Don't don't, right. don't tell I, me. I hate when, if anyone's out there listening, white people, please don't ever let those words come across your yeah. lips. Yeah, yeah, uh, black people, too. Brother, you yeah. are a color. The only person right. who don't see color is Stevie Wonder and anybody right. else who is blind. Any, anybody else, you can't say that. You do see color. Right. Yeah. So that was, what about you? So I also had two, I think two experiences where I think it, I was really jolted into this understanding that like I was different and that there was going to be things that I had to deal with as a black person. So I, when I was young, I and our older brother actually went to uh, Quaker school for mm-hmm. a few years. Germantown Friends in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which actually really liked the school. And when I was young, I had a great experience there. But I think also in third grade, I think third grade is like the turning point where like third grade, a lot of kids like whatever grade. the heck is going on at home, like it really starts to manifest itself like right. in third grade. Yeah. So I remember we were doing a project. I don't know. It was like a kind of a black history month type thing. And so one of the white students and just so people were not familiar with Quaker school, the ones in Philadelphia at the time were. 99% white. They were mostly affluent white people and a couple of poor black people who got in here and there right. <laughs> for various reasons. We're always um, going to get in somehow. You're we always get us. in somehow. So. <laughs> <laughs> so here I was in this class with all these white students. It may have been like two black students. We're doing this project and one of the one of the kids went up and asked the teacher, like, you know, oh, 
she was doing a project on a black person. She was like, oh, do I say black or do I say, I think it was Afro-American was the term at that uh-huh. time. Do I say black or Afro-American? The teacher was like, oh, you know, either one is fine. You know, whichever one you, you know, feel more comfortable with. And then the teacher walks away and this boy, I remember, I remember his face. His name was Patrick and he had like freckles and curly brown hair. And he looks up and goes, yeah, just don't use the word nigger. <laughs> <laughs> heard that word come out of a white person's mouth like you know not in person like you've seen it in movies or tv but we didn't really know any white people growing up like i knew my classmates Mm -hmm. but when we went home like the church was black the family was white we had no white people in our family so my only exposure to white people was really like the other students at school yeah so i had never heard these words come across like a white person's lip in real life and it like shocked me and he like had this just (laughs) smirk on his face like he knew he knew and the girl i remember she just like put her head down and just kept writing she was like i'm not even gonna respond <laughs> yo and it like shocked me i like got up and left the class because really? it was just like it yeah it really shocked me because i looked up and there's like all these white people here and it's just it was almost like everything just closed in on me because i it? was the nigger yes I yes. was the nigger. And so he was like, oh, my God, is that how you guys talk about me when I'm not around? Is that what your family say about me when I'm not around? So it was it And the was answer shocking. is, yes. That's yes. exactly what they do. Yes. That's the only way these and kids know the word. Yes, exactly. So that was like the first incident. And then I think it was like the fourth grade. I was at um, some friend's house again, some friends from um, GFS and all white people again, maybe mm-hmm. two, two black folks in the room. And so the kids were doing this thing where they were like, they were like smashing this like two liter bottle of soda and like somebody would take a drink and then pass it to the next person. And they're just getting ready to be like young alcoholics. I mean, they were just like slamming these bottles of drinks and stuff, but they were passing the bottle around. And even in fourth grade, I was like, that's gross. That's too many lips on the bottle. But I was kind of standing back. But then they were all into it. One of my friends like pushed me forward. She was like, oh, take a drink, take a drink. So like I went ahead and took a drink and then passed the bottle on. And I swear this white boy looked at that bottle as if like a dog licked it. And he was just like, no, thank you. And I mean, just a second before that, he was all pumped up and excited. People are passing the bottle around and he was just like, no, thank you. (laughs) And again, it's just like the whole room closes in on you because you're like, I'm the nigger. Right. Yeah, again. (laughs) These moments, these moments, these moments happen continually yeah. throughout your life. Okay? Throughout your life, throughout exactly. Your life. Look, let me tell you something, because I met black people like, oh man, white person called me nigga don't mean up. Let me tell you something. When you are in a room and right. a white person, it's, <laughs> only white people can do it. They can drop yeah. that word. And I swear, the whole world blacks out and it's just like, <laughs> nigga. You know, it's just like, whoa. I'm in the right. vortex here. What is going on? I remember, yeah. and I'm sorry to my friend because I, I don't want my friend to be embarrassed because this happened a few years ago, but I, uh-huh. they invited me to some party out in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and like we were going to play a gig. You know, I play music and everything. We were going to play the gig, and the guy who threw the party, I hadn't seen him in a while. They was like, hey, you remember Jason? He's like, yeah, how can I forget my token black friend? And it was just all white oh, people around God. me, and I just, I just had this look on my face like, man, I I can't do shit. It's like... Right, I can't just walk in the room. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just walk in the room. Oh, I can't punch him in dead square in his goddamn face. He's going to call me a token? 
in front of a bunch of white people. Like, oh, that's all I wanted to do. Sorry, right. mom, but I wanted to strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> Told my mom I wasn't going to strangle any more white people on the show. <laughs> but I did. Oh, it's hard. I think the the hard thing is that, I mean, there's lots of hard things about it. Like, part of it is like, it's annoying. Yes. It's embarrassing. Yep. At times, it's dehumanizing. But at times, it's violent as well. Like, it's yeah. all of these things at once. So it's like, you can't just say, like, it's one little thing or, you know, words can't hurt or whatever. There's so much, like, violence behind, like, our treatment here in this country. And once you realize, like, you know, that those feelings and sentiments are still prevalent, yeah, it's like... Like, it's annoying, it's sometimes embarrassing, it's, you know, sometimes humiliating, but you do feel like this sense of, oh, this violence is still, like, you know, right below the surface. It's like, right there. Yeah, it's, it's right there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right there. It's right in your face, and it's, there's always, I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying all white people are bad. I, you know me, I got a lot of, I hate to say it, right? so my best friends are white, but they are. <laughs> right. I know a lot of white kids, man. You know, yeah. I grew up in uh -huh. a white area, I know a lot of white right. kids. I've been the only black guy in a lot of situations. It's made me more aware. It's made me a lot less tolerant. Yes. Of some of yeah. these little smart ass remarks that a right. lot of them try to act like, oh, it was just a friendly gesture. It was an accident. Right. I didn't mean it that way. Yes, you did, you racist piece of dung. Okay? <laughs> you meant right. exactly what you said. My you good friends. Right. My good friends. Pat, Aaron, Justin. Mm -hmm. I've never had a moment with them like that. And we've right. known each other for the better part of 20 years. Right. So when I've met some of the other friends who I've, you know, we've known each other. We've had, we've had like maybe five or six encounters and there's been racist remarks shouted yeah. out in those five or six encounters. It's because you are racist. Right. I don't care how liberal you think you are. Yeah. You can't hide behind liberalism just right. like you can't hide behind republicanism, which is nothing but modern day confederacy. All of you Pretty guys yeah. are racist <laughs> if you uh -huh. say some racist stuff to me. Don't call me nigger. Don't call right. me token or I will yeah. start choking. <laughs> Drinks, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a little parched right now. <laughs> Check it out now. Who is the cat eating out on the sand? We make the whole dining room turn their hair round. It's the nigga. Nigga, nigga. He got the speakers in the trunk with the bass on crunk. Who be riding up in the high rise elevator? Other tenants will be praying he ain't the new flavor. Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga. They try to play him like the chump because he got what they want. He under 30 years old. Well, already he's a pro designer. Charles are slung low. So, um, are you familiar with the, um, He's a Nigerian author named Chenua Chebe. No. And he wrote a book called Things Fall Apart. Very famous. Oh, I know the book uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, author. I know Things Fall Apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, so amazing writer. But he said once, um, until the lion tells his tale, the hunter will never be glorified. Right. And I think about that every time I think about like our history and like oh, regardless of oh, Until the of, lion like, tells his tale, yeah. the hunter will always be glorified. Right. Yes. 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 Um, and I think about that with regards to our history mm -hmm. because... We only really hear about like, you know, slavery and struggle and um, like you said, Martin Luther King and Harriet Tubman, who were amazing, right. amazing people. Amazing. Um, but we had a history before we came here to this country. And even in the midst of like, you know, the worst conditions and the worst treatment, like we are incredibly resilient people and have come like so far and have overcome so much. So 
you know, I don't shy away from teaching my son. And, you know, I hope that he shares the information he has with his peers um, about our history. You know, we celebrate Juneteenth every year. Yeah. We, you know, go all out for Black History Month. We celebrate Kwanzaa. I mean, it's really integrated into, like, everything we do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like until we tell our own tale that the glory is always going to go to the colonizer, yeah. you know, and that's, and, and that's what we need to dismantle. Like we all need to tell our story and we need to be honest about our story. Yes. Um, yeah. So that we have a shared understanding of like who we are yeah. and where we go. And not be embarrassed about our story, you know? No, it's, it's, not it's, it's nothing to be yeah. embarrassed about. You know, um, right. I, I remember I was talking to a Moroccan kid that I went to a, a community college with before I went to college uh, or before mm-hmm. I went to the university. And, um, he, he asked me, he said, well, how, he's like, I always wonder, like, how does it feel to have just like, like you have no history, like you have no culture. Mm. And I was like, yeah, right. I said, well, I don't feel that way. And he was like, well, why not? And he was like, yeah. like, my history goes back, you know, hundreds, thousands of years. And I said, well, mine right. doesn't go back that far, but the history that I have has pretty much controlled the world in terms of culture. I mean, you go to Korea right. and you got people breakdancing. You know what I mean? Right, like exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the food that you eat in America, like, I mean, a lot of my people made a lot of these dishes, soul food. Like, you know, everybody yeah. wants to have some. Like, my grandmother was a right. cook. I'm not ashamed. I'm more proud of my people. I'm just as proud of my people as somebody who knows their history from all over, thousands of years ago. I'm, I'm just right. as proud as, of the 200, 400-year history that we have here. Um, yes. It was a struggle. It was ugly. Yeah. Bad things happened to my people. We came out and did amazing things, and, and right. we continue to do it, you know, and people right. copy us culturally, you know? It's yeah. all good. They don't have to admit it. We see it. We got eyes. We right. see color, right. you know? So, you know, right. it's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things, like, I think it's, that's why I say at the end of the day, when do you teach your kid about black history? At the very beginning. Right. He's, he's becoming a part of it. Yeah, he is From black the day history. he was born, you know? So, right. from the very yeah. beginning, teach it. Let him cry about it. Let him laugh about it. Let him be happy about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let him, when he hears yep. about his grandmother who he'll never get to meet, you know what I mean? He'll yeah. he'll have a moment where he can say, man, I really wish I met that woman. She sounds like she was amazing. And we can all attest right. to how amazing she was. I, I will yeah. go against anybody on God's green earth and say that we had the best grandmother who ever walked the planet. Right. I don't care where you're right. from. I don't care what your grandmother. Man, your grandmother could have right. walked on water. She wasn't better than my grandmother. Right. Tell him. People who people right. who met our grandmother will say the same thing. So yeah. you know, um, Black history is beautiful. We're beautiful. Exactly. Everybody want to be us, but don't want to be us. Right. And the infamous words of Paul Mooney: Everybody want to be a nigga, nobody right. want to be a nigga. Right. <laughs> there you have it. I think this might be the most we said the N-word on the show, and I apologize for that right uh, now. Yeah, and so moving forward, just know that we generally don't throw the N-bomb out yeah. like this. But, but. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Again, a part of our history is confronting it. Yes. And um, so we're confronting it now in honor of Black History Month. Yes. In honor of introducing it to our kids and your kids and all of our That's kids. Right. And, um, yeah, making sure that we don't shy away from it. Uh, please keep the word out your little white kid's mouth. Please do. And, I, and out your mouth. And out your mouth. Job turkeys. Don't call me nigga. Don't call me whitey. Nigga. Don't call me nigga. Whitey. Don't call me whitey. Nigga. Well, I was.
at the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, today many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And this is what we are faced with, and this is the reality. Now, when we come to Washington, in this campaign, we are coming to get our check. 